This show is part of the Pika Science Podcast, studying the intersection of video games and science. When I was younger, I wanted to know, where did that come from? How did it get there? The only way to find out is through the wormhole. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Through the Ultra Wormhole. I'm your host, Jared, and joining me today is... And I'm Madison. I'm here, too. I've been here the whole time. (laughs) Every single episode. Of this. Of this, well, of this uh, series. And today we are doing what we've always been doing, taping a deeper dive into non-local and non-native species in Pokemon. So... What species today are you cov- are we covering today? Do you ask? Because oh, everyone I know. wants to know. I know. You, I know. You know. Cartana. What are we covering? Cartana, the most the most non local species that you can ever have. <laughs> Good <laughs> old Cartana. Li- literally just paper. <laughs> yep. It doesn't belong in any ecosystem anywhere. <laughs> we just make it. <laughs> no, we are not talking about Cartana. I wish. I do love Cartana. It's a great Pokemon. One of my favorites. But we are going to continue down the path of the misunderstood Ultra Beasts, the invaders from another realm, except for Guzzlord. Guzzlord just wants to devour everything. He can stay away. But today, we're going to be You don't like Guzzlord? No, I am not a big Guzzlord fan. That scream that it gives in the anime haunts me to this day. I can't, I can't do it. I thought Beware's voice was bad in the anime. Yeah. Guzzlord makes it even worse. But no, we are going to be talking about two of my personal favorite bug types. We are going to be talking about Pheromosa and Buzzwall. And just as a quick fun fact, if you didn't know, they are the only two Ultra Beasts that share the exact same types. They are both bug and fighting. So, what insects are these lovely two Pokemon based off of? Well, first off, we're going to talk about Pheromosa. If you didn't know what Pheromosa is, Pheromosa is a malted cockroach slash fashion runway model. Built in together. This got those built uh, built in uh, high heels that she has for herself to wear. One of these days, these boots are gonna walk all over you. Yep. Yep. Say so they're gonna walk all over you with all that speed and all that attack. Little fun fact: she doesn't wear boots. She wears high heels. Guys, come on, look at the stilettos. Yeah, look at those <laughs> stilettos. Uh, cool fact, actually, about Fermosa actually doesn't permit particular. There's actually a cockroach species named after her. Um, yeah. Discovered in Singapore that uh, the two guys that named her were big Pokemon fans. So they named uh, the cockroach um, Nocticula fermosa, which is after her. There's quite a bit of is, animals that have been named after Pokemon. Yeah, I just found that one because I was just like, that's really cool. And I was like, and plants too, right? There's a good bit of plants. I'm just trying to remember which ones they are off the top of my head but either way that's really cool but yeah today we're going to talk about cockroaches and then we'll talk about buzzwall as well so cockroaches are found all over the world but we're going to be talking about the american cockroach which is what fermosa is based off of so like i said fermosa is a molting american cockroach which is why it has that white coloration on it it is native to africa and to the middle east however they are found all across the world how are they found all across the world well, they didn't make it to the Americas till about the 17th century, which is because of commercial trade from Africa. So the slave trade and then also all the goods that came from there, that came from the ships. 
These cockroaches are the largest of the common cockroaches. So if you ever wondered why Feramosa has a high speed stat, and it's actually its highest stat in the game, which is why once Beast Boost activates it, boosts its speed, these cockroaches are very fast. They are, they scuttle away very quickly. They can fly for short spans, but they are fast, so they'd rather scuttle away. So that's why you can see that fast speed that a cockroach scuttles away is why Feramosa also has that high speed stat. Another cool thing about Feramosa and cockroaches is they actually have the second largest insect genome on the planet. The migratory logodus is number one. Cockroaches are omnivores. They'll eat pretty much anything, including human food, like they eat scraps, fermenting food. They eat decaying stuff too, right? Like they're good decomposers, right? They eat like anything they can find. Yep, they eat pretty much everything. They'll eat the dead and wounded of their own kind. They'll eat book bindings. They eat a lot of different things. Poop. Poop, leaf matter, just decaying matter, anything. They're some of the best decomposers. Nuclear waste. Yeah, they eat everything. That's how we get those horror movies is cockroaches eating nuclear waste. (laughs) 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 Anyways, more about cockroaches. They do eat a lot of everything. They primarily live in moist areas that are humid, uh, which is why, like, in Hawaii, they're very prevalent because it's a tropical area. But also, that's why they prefer, like, basements, crawl spaces, foundations, porches, places where it's not super cold. There's a lot of humidity, so they can survive better. So, since we are talking about invasive and non-local and non-native species, what ecological impact do they have? So ecologically, they're actually really important. They are decomposers, which you don't know what a decomposer is, just they consume organic matter to release nitrogen back into the soil. Their droppings are really rich in nitrogen, which are great fertilizer. They help just consume organic matter and bring it back to keep on working on that uh, circle of life, getting all that organic matter back to the uh, plant so then they can grow and have all the nitrogen. But the issue more for cockroaches is they are much more of a humanocentric problem. So what that means is with cockroaches, they are... We, as humans, primarily find them as a conflict. Of course, they can get inside your house, and when they're on their side of the house, they can carry different diseases, such as, like, salmonella, and with that, they could have the droppings get into your food, they can contaminate your food, which then, by doing that, you can get salmonella, and as someone who works with it, would not ever want to recommend ever getting it. It's not a very fun thing to get. Also, besides that, they are pathogen carriers. They do carry a lot of different diseases around them. Their droppings can also cause asthma or allergy attacks. I feel like everything causes asthma these days. They're like, walking outside, asthma. <laughs> living by lead pipes, asthma. Living by industrial factories, asthma. <laughs> Pollen caused by climate change, asthma. Are we just causing asthma? <laughs> Pretty much. We are the cause of it all. Um, Smoking cigarettes, asthma. Asthma. But yeah, so they can cause like allergic reactions with them, with their droppings and everything like that. So they're not, for humans, they're not a very good thing that people uh, want to have around. Though they are collected as pets in the pet trade. I think uh, our newest friend who we get to fully introduce next month, I think Jillian has pet. Cockroaches? I think Jillian said she had cockroaches. I thought so. (sighs) Not for me. I like insects. I love them to death. But there's something about cockroaches that just... Mm, not not a very big fan. You know who loves them? Haley. 
We are all really? convinced. We are we are all convinced that Haley's going to study insects one day. Like she likes to go outside and play with like the ants or the spiders or the grasshoppers. <laughs> oh, that's so cool though. But cockroaches, not not the biggest fan. Outside, absolutely, they can keep on doing their thing for the environment, for the ecology. But not, please, not inside my house. Yeah. But speaking of that. So how do you control cockroaches? How does all that happens? Well, the primary control for cockroaches is insecticides, spraying them on front of like your doorways inside your house and like the gaps and stuff to help control them from keeping them from coming inside. And then also just watching what you bring inside your house. If you're taking something from outside, like a box or anything that's inside and if there's a hole or something that could be inside of it that they could get themselves into, that's just making sure that you're not actually just transporting them inside of your house. But mostly it's insecticides, bait traps, stuff like that. Normal things that we use to control a lot of different species from coming indoors is how you would make sure that cockroaches don't get inside of your uh, place. And then there's another insect we have to talk about. Talk about all the insects today. We have to talk about mosquitoes. Isn't this one of the only, and I, I, I know that this is a controversial statement, and I want to state that very clearly that not everyone agrees with this statement, but isn't that the only species... Uh, like mosquitoes that scientists have said, like if we wipe them out, it would actually be a benefit because of how much disease they cause. So the issue is, is yes and no. They are pollinators, which helps some of the species do actually can pollinate. And the other thing with, with mosquitoes is they are also their larva is really good food sources for a lot of different species. Okay. I so didn't they know do, that. they are kind of a big part of the, like that whole food web. But yes, they they also do cause a lot of issues. Well, they cause health issues like West Nile and stuff. Uh, um, what was it? Zika? West Nile, was a big one. Zika. Yeah. Ma- ma- well, malaria, yellow fever. Yeah. So like, they're they are responsible, and and not with intent clearly, but through pure uh, interaction you know, from a medical and public health standpoint of serious risks. So it is something that that I do like to follow because like, you know, me and the social science crap. <laughs> yeah, there are. So the thing with mosquitoes, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more, is there only are, out of all the mosquitoes, there are only a few hundred, less than a hundred species of mosquitoes that actually are the ones that cause disease carrying issues. Out of, And there are a lot of mosquito species. But like they've also found like there's actually like wild orchids and stuff that their only pollinators that can uh, pollinate them are actual mosquito species. So there are like certain species ecologically that you actually have mosquitoes have to be helpful for. But we'll, we're about to get all into that. So mosquitoes, they are insects. They are found all around the world. The most common mosquito that we find and we have to deal with is something known as the Asian tiger mosquito, which is what buzzwall is based off of because that is the most common species that is found in hawaii so everyone knows what mosquitoes are and what mosquitoes are well known for is that proboscis or that tube like mouth parks which actually give them the ability to pierce the skin of a host for feeding however each sex does different things so the males actually do not feed on blood because they don't need the iron and the protein. They're more found to be feeding on plants for food and nutrients. The females are known to feed on blood because they need the iron and the protein that is found in blood to help actually make their uh, eggs to, for reproduction. So they actually need, yeah, 
So they need that iron and that protein. Um, well, couldn't they just eat like iron deposits? <laughs> Sorry, bad jokes. <laughs> Come on, mosquitoes, get with it. Come on, mosquitoes. Also, are they like Magneto? Can they sense when there's too much iron in my blood? I I don't think they can. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. You have too much Scientists. iron in your blood. Some entomologists out there. Come on. Here's a study. Can they sense if there's more <laughs> iron in what spaces? Here's an experiment. Just test, my, test the hypothesis, okay? You're welcome, entomologists everywhere. You are welcome. <laughs> so um, they feed on all sorts of types of hosts, mammals, including us, uh, birds, reptiles, amphibians. There's some invertebrates, some fish that they also uh, host on and feed on. So... Why mosquitoes are a, this is just kind of get into it, why are they an ecological uh, conflict and why do they have a, there's a very large human conflict is what happens when they actually bite the host. So they, when they bite the host, they transmit a, sla- a saliva, which can cause a rash on us, but they also can transmit other pathogens that they could have fed on on another species and transmit it to someone else. So as we were just talking about earlier, Secret virus, West Nile, all the huge malaria incidents that happened uh, like in Panama when they were uh, doing the Panama Canal and doing all that. And that caused all the malaria issues over there. Yellow fever. Those were all, all diseases that are transmitted by mosquitoes. And they're all very, very nasty diseases, which can cause lots of issues. So that's why there's a huge impact there. But ecologically, what are they good for? Well, ecologically, how do they benefit um, benefit the environment they live in? And then what damages do they cause? So I kind of talked about it already. They're an important food source for birds and amphibians and fish species for their larvae. And then they can actually, there are pollinators. There are species that are actually just dependent on pollination from them themselves. So they, um, which is also huge uh, benefits for them. But we're also here to talk about all the conflict that they bring. So since we are talking buzzwall, which if you buzzwall is the mosquito, it has the insect wings on the back that match it. And then it has the long proboscis on its face that matches the mosquito. Ecologically in Hawaii, mosquitoes are a issue because nothing native that ever evolved there has a defense against any disease that has been brought by the mosquitoes that they've got. So the avian malaria is one. Uh, avian valeria is not brought on by that particular species, Asian tiger mosquito. It's brought on by another mosquito, but they cause issues because the birds in the like in the forest don't have any defenses against it, which is causing large um, issues with their forest bird species actually going extinct. I was reading, there was a paper they're talking about probably about in the next 10 to 15 years, they'll probably have about at least four or five different of the bird species will go extinct because of the avian malaria being brought on by mosquitoes. And then, of course, for humans, they are they bring can transmit disease, such as what has been mentioned previously. So that is a big uh, issue there as well for them. So how are people controlling mosquitoes? So it's an insect. Insecticides work extremely well. However, you have to watch with them. It's just like if you would spray an herbicide or a fungicide. A lot of them are non-selective, which means they target all different types of species, not just actually being selective 
for um, the mosquitoes themselves, so they will injure other insects as well. Which, or if we get into ecological issues, that's a problem because, you know, yep. you could end up taking out things that you want or need and having those unintended consequences, such as damaging insects that are valuable for agriculture or the, you know, which then impacts the local economy. And we've seen that historically, these unintended consequences then that ripple through the economy. So it's not only an ecological risk, but also an economic risk, because not only can you disrupt food chains and food webs, whatever you want to call them, the ecological standpoint, but you can disrupt entire economic standpoints by destroying agriculture, which is a huge risk. So I wanted to add that. Well, I was going to say, as like a side note, I was going to say, like when I worked in uh, out in Washington State, when I was working with... Uh, a lot of the prairie grasses, that's what we were working on, was trying to figure out what herbicides that we could spray in the area as part of a, um, oh God, are they an IEP? As an invasive management plan, so that IMP, so that we didn't actually hurt the environment ecologically, so that we could actually get rid of, um, eliminate uh, non-native species that were there, but keep the native species that were there not actually be damaging to them. So we have to, with insecticides, they just have to watch around like where they're spraying them make sure they're not having those issues the other plan they had for a while was actually just kind of get rid of the humid areas of where mosquitoes are found they are mostly a tropical species they love the humidity just like cockroaches so the same kind of issues they're trying to figure out if they want to actually eliminate um the areas where they're nesting or they're spawning but the same issue is you can actually cause more harm than good by doing that but i actually was reading about what maui is doing the demigod they have this you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I see what's um, happening here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, see what happens here. We're trying to talk about some uh, incompatible insect techniques. So it's actually someone's working on their Department of Natural Resources page. They're doing this technique, which is called, there's this type of naturally occurring bacteria called, I think it's obasia, that is found in some species of arthropods in Hawaii such as like the southern house mosquitoes, which are like found on Maui. And if it's been found that when they've been testing, if you have two different strains of this bacteria, they cannot reproduce together. So what they're doing is they're finding out, trying to figure out what strains are in the areas that their mosquitoes are prevalent, and then getting males that have the, a different strain in them, releasing them to where the females are so that they will mate together and actually can't reproduce, which I found it really, really interesting. It's just kind of pretty much halting the reproduction of. I was listening to an NPR. They, they, uh, they have vans that drive around spraying. Yeah, it was a couple of years ago. I think it was on uh, Science Friday, probably because that's like one of my favorites. Uh, and I, they like drove around spraying it from vans. And I mean, what a awesome and interesting way to do that. Or the other one where they, ju- yeah, I don't know. Just it's so interesting to me, and constantly amazes me how much you know, like science can do. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, oh, I didn't expect that. That's cool. It's just coming up with like innovative and creative ways because a lot of like the base stuff that you can find or you could buy at like stores and stuff is going to be non-selective. It's going to cause a lot of issues. So you have to come up with a lot more innovative solutions to solving these types of conflicts. I know I have like a side, this is going to be a side note kind of tangent, but like I live in Pennsylvania. We have this species called multiflora rose. That's a very large invasive in our area. They found, and actually my dad used to do it when he used to work for um, where he used to work at. He would get a rose virus 
that was transmitted around in people's gardens and their rose gardens. And he would mix it up into a slurry and would be able to spray the other plants, the multiflora rose, and that would kill them. So he was just transmitting, pretty much he was being a mosquito and transmitting a disease from one plant, transmitting it to another plant to get rid of the other plant. <laughs> which was a mosquito? Yeah, so it was just kind of that fast, fascinating. It's the innovation. If you don't want a mosquito biting you and trying to uh, suck on your blood or transmit disease, uh, just be careful. Use bug spray if you're going to be out in areas that are very humid or just try to avoid like those moisture areas. A lot of it's like near ponds, near your lakes, you'll find a lot of mosquitoes around. Just wear bug spray. That'll help you a lot. And then just like I did with the cockroaches, there's stuff that you can spray around your house and that'll help keep the mosquitoes out. So that's what Buzzwall that's a good old Faramosa, our two lovely bug-fighting Ultra Beasts. And I think we are done for the day. I think we're all good. I didn't even get to make that many jokes this time, Jared. Jared, you are getting so good at this that I'm just kind of sitting here now, and I feel kind of sad. <laughs> for anyone who doesn't know, you and I have been like friends since you first came on as a guest years ago. And that would have been I, 20... Yeah. I looked it up the other day. No, it was like 2019, 2018. Was it 20? Yeah, it was 2018. I said, cause I was in, I was in Washington doing my master's at the time. So yeah. And then you were in the discord with us and hung out with me and Aaron. And like, I love hanging with you. You're awesome. Um, not that everyone else isn't awesome. I, I, I just got back from Cali and got to hang out with Kirsten and Chelsea. And that was amazing. And I love them very much. I uh, just, I don't know. I love you all. I think you're all pretty great. Thank you. Except, for, pretty, pretty except for that Lila person. That Lila person just keeps yelling at me. <laughs> <laughs> You're wrong, mom. God. <laughs> just that sass of a daughter. I, I love her. She's great. Uh, this was a fun episode, honestly, though, like listening to you, uh, learning a lot about, you know, mosquitoes, uh, especially because I guess you don't think about the fact that like cockroaches aren't really doing as much damage. It's just that we don't like them. I say that's like some of the issues you'll find. And I want to do, I think the next session I'm just going to talk about and like non-native species in general is like, there are a lot of non-native species that we have that aren't really causing issues ecologically. They're not causing a lot of harm. It's just the idea of we're the ones that come up with the names and the words for all of these. We don't happen to like them. So that's why we, they cause issues. They either cause issues with money. There's like the health and safety concerns. That's the whole issue. So yeah, cockroaches, they're not ecological. They're actually really good. They're great decomposers for our environment. But we just don't like you the don't way want they them scuttling around in a restaurant because of health safety versus. So. Yeah, no, for sure. You don't want them in your restaurants. <laughs> no, you well, don't. I, but I just think about like, um, so like we live, and I know you know this, we live in like our backyard is county parkland. So mm-hmm. we have so many ants. And like for us, they are a problem because they're carpenter ants and I don't like my deck being ruined. Yep. Uh, so like that is a problem. But like, you know, other things like cockroaches or we get like we get the uh, the shield bugs, the stink bugs. Like I don't like them, but they're not like destroying my house. No. <laughs> Big they difference. just smell. Uh, we've never We've never had one smell. We've gotten them out of the house and just let them go. Uh, I've had some where um, they've been inside the house, so um, and they didn't want to leave. So uh, Windex have- is really good. Okay, it blocks Windex. the uh, it blocks the uh, blocks the pheromones, the smell. So you so heard it, it here. The- Jared is just like the dad from my big fat Greek wedding. Windex is the solution <laughs> to everything. <laughs> Broken For some up, things. Windex. <laughs> Upset stomach. Windex. A rash. Windex. Yes. <laughs> 
<laughs> on that note, we love you all. You're all amazing. And we can't wait to have you all back next time. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>